Welcome to another episode of Chris Reed's book. Chris Reed's book. I am Chris Pullman, your resident author. Today I'm going to be reading, let's see here, one, two, uh, three. Three chapters from my latest book, Martian Reporter, Humanity's New Hope. Uh, the titles are Preparations, The Approach, and The Breakout. So, um, just as a quick summary, you know, we've been following along with Jim Hall, who was a reporter for the New Chicago Times, if I remember right. It's been a while since I read that part of my own book. <laughs> and uh, he's come into possession of some technologically granted superpowers. Opposing him is an old nemesis of the people who originally invented those powers some 500 years previous. Uh, that would be chaos and uh, chaos is holding the daughter and uh, the the daughter of an important figure in the underground resistance to him who is herself a leader in her version of that underground resistance and uh, basically Jim Hall is going to go in try and save her and shut down chaos's operation. And that's what we're going to hear about today. So let's get into it with the first of three chapters, Preparation. How did you do that? Nick asked Jim, behind whom a view of his lab wavered, shrunk, and disappeared. A form of wormhole travel, Nick. George, good to see you, Jim said, nodding in the man's direction. My gods, Nick said, regaining some of his composure. Can you transport other people with that? We could jump right into the middle of the base, completely overwhelm them. Jim stretched out with his mind, sensing those around him. Even at 300 strong, Nick's reserve force wouldn't stand against Chaos's squad of pseudo-nanetics. The pseudos, as drone-like and unthinking as they were, could act in concert, avoid fear, mistakes, fatigue, and would be faster and stronger than any of Nick's men. Plus, of course... Then were armed a tenth as well as Jim was by himself. Nick, I go in alone. That's how it has to be, Jim replied. And what happens if they surprise you? A few extra eyes and arms wouldn't be a burden. No means no, Nick, Jim said. All right. Let's get you briefed on what surveillance we do have, then, Nick grumbled as he guided Jim over to the monitor table, pushing data onto it from the note tab. This is an accurate base schematic from our man inside. As you can see, Nick continued, pointing the projection floating between them. The holding cells are here. A hallway pulsed red. That's what government funding can buy, huh? Jim asked Nick, committing the rest of the layout to memory. Apparently, he replied. We're still trying to figure out exactly how he did it. Nanites, Jim replied. A basic form. I wouldn't know more without a sample, but 
It makes sense. He probably injected the politicians with a version of what's swimming around inside himself. Likely the same he gave his guards, though with a little bit extra in the way of physical augmentation and a little less in the way of free will. That's what our contact reports, Nick commented. How did you know? Because he did something similar before, Jim replied, remembering his research into the War of Insurrection. Nick continued, ending his briefing by saying, Get back here as soon as you can. With that, he took Jim over to the makeshift armory. The cache was top-of-the-line SNN stock, though Jim knew his abilities already had him better equipped. Eric's speed alone would do for most situations. Next, they went to the vehicle hangar, passing six people headed back toward the armory. Who are they? Jim asked Nick. Looking back over his shoulder as he continued walking, Nick said, Your extraction team, should you need it. There was something different about those six. Their strides were measured, and they held themselves with a certainty that was uncommon in modern times. Not only that, but they moved with a fluid grace. There was also something more that tingled in the back of Jim's mind. Hope I won't need them, Jim said back. Me either, Nick agreed. Arriving at the motor pool, Nick motioned toward a manually driven car that appeared to be aluminium in construction. This is a battle vehicle, Jim stated, opening a passenger door to look inside. Five-point harnesses around the seats with weapon racks crowding overhead space in the cabin. It is, Nick said, SNN model LPB2. It's not a prototype, but it is the first field model. You're anticipating a protracted war. Jim said as he pulled his head out of the vehicle. It's what the long plans call for, Nick replied. After a pause, Jim said, The censorship. It's building up a base on Mars. We can't let Chaos get a foothold, so we have to bring the fight to him, Nick replied. You don't think I'll succeed? Jim asked Nick. It's not a matter of that, James, Nick replied. Whether you do or don't, chaos won't be defeated here. The fight will be joined elsewhere at another time. We can either be ready for that, or allow him to gain Mars. You haven't looked ahead to see the outcome of this, Jim asked. I can't tell for sure which way this will go. You know that, James, he replied. Jim smiled. I can. Nick's eyes widened. You're not kidding he said. Jim shook his head. How? Nick asked. That should be impossible. You shouldn't be able to see past a train station. I can't, Jim replied. Nick furrowed his brow and was about to ask another question when Jim's insertion team walked up. With final wishes of good luck, Jim climbed into the armored car and was whisked off to meet Chaos. Second chapter, The Approach. Jim had expected Cass to detect him, though not so quickly. Jim had been stealthy. No one had seen him as he snuck from the drop-off point to there. But Chaos was an anetic, and like knows like. His troopers may not have sensed Jim for a threat originally, but they certainly did now. And even as powerful as Jim knew he was, he was unsure if his complement of nanites could hold up against that many plasma rifles at point-blank range. How did you manage so many, old friend? 
Jim asked Chaos across the field. Don't you know? came the reply. He was subsumed in natural shadow from a dock crane. Chaos stepped out of it, closed his eyes, and purred. <sighs> it has been so very long since I felt the glow from another progenitor. <laughs> Practically breathes life back into these old bones. With his eyes closed, Jim could see Adam beneath Chaos's face. But when he opened his eyes, the similarity vanished. His pupils were onyx, and the whites of his eyes were swirling, mixing pupil white with onyx black. Yes, indeed. Your presence has stirred something I have not felt for a long time, Chaos added with a grin. It was not hard for Jim to understand what was going on. Chaos's ability had always been mimicry. Always he had been able to copy shadows of others' powers. And not only was Jim the only other Nanitic left, but the melting pot of all their abilities. And the abilities of every Nanitic ever were unified in him, and he had just delivered them all to Chaos. I hope you choke on it, Jim said. <laughs> I doubt I will, replied Chaos, then to his troops. Bring him! We will continue this somewhere more secure and private. As they walked, Jim focused his mind. He could feel chaos feeding on his power, but there was something else as well. Jim smiled. The nanitics of the past, Adam included, may not have been able to resist chaos's influence, but he was the second-gen version. The entire walk into the base, into the elevator and downward, Jim could feel chaos becoming more and more cross. Once they exited the lift, he pinned Jim against the hallway's wall. Stop it! He screamed. You cannot resist me! His eyes swirled, angry hurricanes of white and black clouds. Lightning even seemed to flash within those clouds. I have been this whole time. So why can't I? Chaos brought his face within millimeters of Jim, Jim's nostrils flaring with each breath, eyes raging worse than before. Roughly, he pulled pulled Jim from the wall and pushed him down the hall. Ahead and to their right, a door opened, and a meek-looking man stepped out into the hall. Sir, he stuttered, you're early. The man was false, though. Chaos seemed ignorant of it. Chaos struck him across the face. I am exactly on time wherever I go. We will see the prisoner. But, sir, she's not yet healed, the meek man pleaded. Her time is over, Chaos replied. She has served her purpose, but she will see the face of her rescuer before she dies, he added, bustling Jim in. Lewis gave Chaos a quick look, and Jim a look mixed with contempt and pensive hope before saying, Of course, sir. There, bound to a chair, was a very injured and abused Rachel. Through her one remaining open, though half-swollen shut eye, she looked up, her breathing quick and shallow as blood ran down an arm from an obvious knife wound. Chaos! <laughs> she barely managed, though even that was filled with bile. 
Rachel, my dear, he replied sweetly, you look so well today. She turned her head and did her best to spit. All she managed was a strong exhalation that bubbled blood and clearly left her very lightheaded. Come now, Chaos said in a cheery reply. Show more respect for our honored guest. He is here to help you, after all. By his tone, one would have thought Chaos was introducing two good friends. She simply glared at him. Looking between Rachel and Jim, Chaos said, Hmm, what? Nothing. Such a pity. True enough, I can't kill you, James. Not yet. But soon enough. I do promise you, though, if you stop resisting me, her remaining time as a human will pass swiftly and painlessly. Continue, and they will hear her screams back on Earth's most remote regions. Between ragged breaths, Rachel gasped. <laughs> Don't. Don't you dare. Without hesitation, chaos hit her jaw so hard there was an audible crack. Rachel's head lolled forward once, her eye looking at Jim and Chaos as she started to chortle. Immediately it was cut off as she began to choke on her own blood. Lewis! Chaos called. Rachel fell down the stairs again. Tend to her! Lewis looked in the room, scooting past the guards as well as Chaos to kneel next to Rachel. He looked up at Chaos, saying, she could die. She does so do you, Chaos replied, turning and walking out of the room. Breaking his gaze from the retreating form of Chaos, the man called Lewis looked up at Jim and sadly down at Rachel. He cannot read minds, came the thought, not yet. So you hope, Jim replied to Lewis. Even if he can, it doesn't matter anymore. My abilities are limited. She is beyond my help, Lewis thought back, never seeming to do anything but tend to Rachel. Can you do anything for her? Will she truly die? Jim asked and thought. No, Lewis replied. Then no, I can't, Jim said. Not yet. Then aloud, I will do my best to get you out of here. Rachel spoke no reply, but simply looked at him out of her swollen eye, nodding her head almost imperceptibly. Leaving the room, Jim found Chaos waiting in the hall, eating an apple as if nothing were amiss. He pulled another from his pocket and offered it to Jim. Hesitant, Jim reached out and looked at it, studying it. This is an immortal strain, isn't it? Correct. How did you get it here? These only grow on Earth. Oh, James, when you control as much of the Martian Congress as I do, you'd be surprised what sort of things become possible. Chaos crunched off another bite, indicating Jim should do the same. Jim let his mind analyze the apple, all his senses reaching out to check it over. Chaos giggled among a mouthful of apple. Not a useful grouping of powers, I'll say, but it's a start. For that, I'll even call down a medical team to tend to Rachel. Chaos snapped and pointed at the male guard who had been escorting them. Coming to attention, he ducked into a room next to Rachel's cell. 
I am not without gratitude. Jim glowered at Chaos, whose smile widened further and further. What? He asked Jim. Don't you know? Well, you're about to find out in three, two... Jim felt them just before they took effect. The apple was infested with nanites. Chaos had distracted him just before he could sense them. They were rudimentary in nature, no match in sophistication for those in symbiosis with Jim. But they needn't be to carry such a simple code. The world swirled, the apple fell from Jim's hand, and he slumped against the wall. As his vision narrowed, Chaos squatted down in front of him and began talking around bites of his apple. Wow, we can have a proper chat. I would never have been able to put you in restraints, conscious. You have all the powers of the elite, after all. <laughs> but now, piece of cake. And thanks to that little bit you just gave me, I have all I need now. Soon I will again have my powers. Then nothing will be able to stop me. Standing up, Chaos stepped out of Jim's field of vision. He could hear footsteps and a grav cart coming toward him. Resist, Jim thought. I must resist. Retreat. Jim pulled himself back into his mind. There on the screen in front of him, he could see the door closing. Beside his centered chair, the nanite seemed pale and swayed slightly. Jim grasped its closest appendage and said, I need your help. Quickly. Wolkstras, it replied, an intensity in its visage Jim had not heard before. Help me lock us down. Seal us off from the rest of the body. It can pass into unconsciousness, but we must not seal this room. I know. We'll work together. Do what you can. We haven't much time. The screen split, one half still showing Jim's narrowing field of vision. His body was being lifted onto the cart, and the other half showed his brain and nervous system. The nanite was now leaning heavily on the chair, its free limbs waving frantically at the screen. Stored and redundant information all along Jim's body was withdrawn back into his head. Pathways were closed behind it, turning his body into dead weight. Jim worked one side of the body as the nanite worked the other, and he was falling behind. He had made it halfway up the abdomen when he, when he collapsed to his knees. He managed before falling flat completely. His warning had been superfluous, though. Jim could feel Chaos's nanites coming. They were programmed for brute force with a single purpose. Render the target unconscious. And they were good at their job. Jim hurried his efforts, his outer vision having already gone dark. Not enough time, Jim thought. Chaos's nanites were almost there. But they were there at the, at the very doors of Jim's mental control and command center. He scattered what knowledge he hadn't pulled close throughout his body to slow Chaos down, then sealed off his seat of power. Just as he did, the nanites reached the door. They began to pound on it. But Jim knew they would not get through. Oh, very good, James, came Chaos's voice. Superb job! I doubt my old friend Mr. Christopher could have done a better job given the circumstances. <laughs> 
Fine. Have it your way. The Chaos Nanite stopped, simply standing there. We'll do this the hard way. Such a pity. For both of you. Chapter the Third The Breakout Chaos's Nanites returned, each time accompanied by a new wave of probing attacks from the man himself. While he never spoke, Jim knew the tiger by its paw. Those few abilities Jim had used to scan the, of the offered apple were now being used to probe Jim's own mind. He kept himself holed up in his mind along with his body's nanandakai of consciousness, which, for its part, was holding up as well as could be expected. Every attack saw more of Chaos's nanites flooding Jim's body, an attempt to break his nanitic shield. Chaos had to know it would be a very long process, even if it worked. But as Chaos had waited, plotted, and schemed for 500 years, what was another one or two days? How are you holding up, my friend? Jim asked the nanite have hive mind. As well as can be expected, it replied. Once they had sealed themselves within Jim's command center, the hive had begun to recover some. Jim could see the toll this was having on it. He could definitely hold out for a while and frustrate Chaos, but to what end? What forces could he build while Jim was captive? If Chaos did not give up, he would have his prize eventually. It was a choice. Let Chaos have access to what he wanted in the hope that he'd be distracted enough for Jim to break free and escape, or stay a captive hoping for some obscure miracle to materialize. That is the very type of decision a leader must always make, came a familiar voice, whether or not a risk is worth the potential reward. This one may not be, Jim said. Indeed. What are your other options, James? He asked in reply. You've already thought it out. Chaos laid a good trap, and you fell right in. You haven't a lot of options. It would give him back the powers he once had. Worse, he'd get purer forms this time around. And more, he'll become much, much more powerful than he was. This time he won't have the chaotic hive mind crippling him. That was removed when Eric ordered our minds. Was that, was that part of Chaos's long-term plan all along? Jim asked James. After a slight pause, he replied, May have been. We're still not sure. Speaking of we, James, where have all of you been these past months? You sort of left me in the lurch, you know. We have been investigating a new development. Oh, and what would that be? I will tell you later. Right now, we must focus your mind on the task ahead, on escape. You may not be a great battle commander, but your leadership will be critical in the days to come. Humanity needs you, James Hall, sooner than later. So you would have me unleash the scourge chaos on humanity once more. James sighed, looking at Jim sadly. That will happen no matter what. We all agree. Anyone would have been caught in the insane fox's trap. That much is not your fault. And we did leave you on your own. But now we must fight. You must fight. Then help me, 
Jim said to him. Help me figure out how to do that. That we can do. Touching what Jim might have considered one of the hive's shoulders, he said to it, Will you be able to handle things here for a bit? The hive, as it always did, managed to nod without a neck. Why not just have one of your people take over like normal? Jim asked James. Because this isn't like normal, he replied. Every other time they've been taking over conscious control of a free body. You're unconscious and locked down. Follow me, he added. There on the rear wall stood a human-sized door next to the one from which the nanite had originally emerged. Jim recognized the design. What's a hydralador from the NAR underground doing in my command center? That's never been here before. Looking back over his shoulder as he kept walking, James replied, Your mind. What other construct from your elite past is as secure as the NAR underground complex? James did have a point. The door opened and they stepped through into one of the underground's few conference rooms. This one overlooked the main vehicle bay. There at the table were all the progenitors, save Adam. Even though there wasn't a shadow in the room, Eric, sitting in his normal place, was cloaked in darkness. Jim stopped and looked around. There isn't actually a door there, Jim said, turning to look at it. The wall it stood on didn't actually exist in the real conference room on Earth. Of course not, replied Meng, but this being a construct of your mind, certain poetic license must be made. Why have I never seen this place before? Jim asked them all. Because we had to keep it secret, for this exact time and reason, Jessica answered. She seemed somehow recalcitrant, yet relieved, and gazed at Eric's shaded form. What purpose is that? Jim pressed. To help the long plan mature, replied Eric, though his voice sounded off. How? Jim insisted. By helping you find a way out, James added, saying, by giving Chaos what he wants. There's no other way anymore, Dondre said, leaning forward. Trust us, Jim. We've looked at this from every angle. There's no getting around giving Chaos back some of what he once had, added Meng. But that's madness. The last time it cost millions of lives, and nearly every one of you lot to stop him. Yes, but this time is different, Melinda urged. He doesn't have any full nanetics. But if he gains back all the powers he desires, Jim began... He will gain no additional knowledge, interjected the off-sounding Eric. That information he cannot absorb from you. Jim plumbed their minds, seeking the truth of their words. Dondre's ability did not fail him. He could see how to do it, how to meld their abilities, all their abilities, in such a way that Chaos would get nothing from him. Jim couldn't have done it when first captured, as he hadn't access to the others, but now puzzle pieces all fit. You're something new, Meng said, giving voice to Jim's thoughts. We've all seen it while training you. You haven't just learned to use our abilities, you've brought them together in a way that none of us ever could have. 
You're the melting pot, and from you flows a metal stronger and more resilient than ever before. In chaos, Jim asked in reply, as he began to bring together all the powers of the elites. Is corruption, as always. He is the slag thrown off, said James. You'll become something more powerful than chaos. That is true, Jim replied. James saw something in him then. What are you becoming? James asked, beginning to grasp at the edge of understanding. At one time, I may have been called a god, Jim said. What I really am becoming is more than just human, than just nanitic. I am not the apex, but an outjutting created by all of you. Were it not for you, humanity would have continued to evolve in a nice, smooth line. I am the nature, the natural outcome of what you started back at Project Plymouth. With that, Jim turned on his heel, walking back into his mental command center. The hive looked no better. He knew then that it was time to put aside the farce. But we're under attack, the hive insisted. Not for long, Jim replied. Sitting in the center chair, he began to lower his mental shields and bring himself back to life. No, you moxent, insisted the hive again. Jim looked over at it then, and for the first time could see its eyes, its face, hidden in its higher dimensions. He reached out, grasping its true shoulder, and gave it a reassuring pat. Trust me now, old friend. I know precisely what I'm doing. Chaos's nanites were still trying to get past Jim's defenses. Oh, gods, that's annoying, he thought, waving a hand at them. And they were gone. From outside, Jim could feel commotion, shock, and fear. His real eyes began to open. And all at once he was conscious again. They hadn't secured him in any way, blindly trusting in chaos because of his nanites in them. They knew better now. Jim sat up and could see the source of the terror he felt. The woman, Beta, was cowering in a corner, shaking. Beside the door stood Alpha, shakily grasping a plasma rifle. Hold it right there, he managed. I've called for backup. Backup's on its way. Any minute. Jim's eyes were swirling crimson red. You know they won't be, and for the same reason those rifles aren't trained on me right now, Jim replied, in a voice that forced trust and kindness from anyone who heard it. Alpha's rifle dropped, then came back up. Chaos had been too deep in their minds for too long. No, Alpha whispered. What have you done? Jim flashed through the reality, taking the weapon from Alpha as gently as he could in so swift a motion. Alpha fell backward against the door. I've taken away that which oppressed you, Mike. I've freed you. Mike stepped aside in shock. Walking through the door, Jim could hear screams. 
Chaos had already figured out what happened, and, true to form, had begun to rage and destroy. Jim turned down the hall, heading swiftly toward Rachel's cell. There, waiting just outside, was a very exhausted-looking Lewis. She's all yours, Jim, he said, leaning heavily against the wall. Come with us, Jim said over the sound of several plasma rifle blasts. With a sad smile, Lewis replied, not sure if I'm, if I'm going to be able to. From down an adjoining hallway came a scream along with another barrage of rifle fire. I'll be back in a moment, Jim said to Lewis as he walked off toward the fray. Those who had been Chaos's minions were now trying desperately to stand against him. Rounding a few more corners, Jim came up behind a squad of them as Chaos bore down on them two plasma rifles in hand. Each shot was perfectly placed for pain rather than death. He was making them suffer in their failure. Chaos! Jim called over the din of battle. Sending off a quick burst of fire, he made the remaining members of the squad fall like fresh-cut grass. James! Chaos said, bile in his voice. He fired at Jim's center mass. The bolt slowed, stopped, and dissipated. Chaos looked at his rifles, back up a Jim, then tossed both aside. All the better, he reached out toward Jim, and he slid backward over the floor. Chaos's rage was built. No! He screamed, flexing his hand again. This time, Jim raised his in response, catching Chaos's impulse and sending it flying back toward him. Chaos, as had Jim, merely slid backward across the floor. The bodies of those who had been his troops, though, were strewn across the hall. You can't win, Chaos, Jim said calmly. <laughs> can't I? <laughs> he chuckled as he had five hundred years ago. These were but one cult of followers, and the arms we've shipped off to the others should be enough to drive back what few forces Nick has gathered. Soon we will wrest control of this world from the weak and remake it strong, and from here shall we strike out and remold all of humanity into its truer iron form. I won't let that happen. You have little choice now, having given me what I need, Chaos said with an evil grin. I've given you less than you think, Chaos, Jim replied, his face hardened, then changed to a scowl. No, Chaos exclaimed, you cannot hold back from me. It's impossible. And yet I have, Jim said. Then, die, he replied, almost gleefully, reaching up and pulling down the bunker atop Jim. Tons of rebar, wires, and spancrete came crashing down. Turning on his heel, not waiting for the dust to settle, he called into his comlink, Lewis, meet me in the vehicle bay. We're leaving. Yes, yes, sir. And the woman? Leave her. She served her purpose. Switching channels, Chaos said, Computer, arm destruct sequence. 
Authorization Omega 314159. Two minutes silent countdown. And that's this week's episode. We'll pick up uh, hopefully next week. I know I've I haven't been on in a few weeks, and I apologize. Thank you for sticking with me. Uh, if this is your first episode, I would encourage you to go back and listen at least to all the previous episodes of Martian Reporter, Humanity's New Hope. You can do that by searching for Chris Reed's book on iTunes or your favorite podcast application or heading over to my website, narclaninc.com slash chrisreadsbook. On there, you'll also find links to my author Facebook and Twitter account and an email link where you can email me directly here at the podcast. And through any of those channels, I would love to know that you're out there, love to know what you think of the content I'm putting out, of um, how you think I'm doing with my voice inflections, if you can tell the different characters by that, what you think of the plot, um, anything. I would love any feedback on on this that I'm putting out there because ultimately what I'm trying to do is grow an audience for my books because I want to become a professional author and and this is I feel one way to do it to put my books out there as podcasts make them more consumable by you and yeah hopefully uh, gain a following that translates into uh, support for my upcoming books, whatever they may be. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, if this is your first time, thank you for turning in, tuning in for the first time. Otherwise, thank you for tuning in again week after week. If you want to help support this podcast, the best way to do that is to f- share it with a friend, a family member, a co-worker, someone who you think would enjoy the story that I'm telling here. So thank you again. Uh... I'll see you next time, and uh, in the meantime, keep being awesome.